Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Sentience All That Matters, the show where we discuss everything about veganism, everything relating to being vegan and living a vegan lifestyle, everything about being a vegan activist. Join us if you are vegan curious, if you're on the fence about joining the vegan community and have a few unanswered questions, this is the show for you. Let's get the housekeeping out of the way. You can find us on Facebook, Sentience All That Matters. Join that public group and you can see what's going on. You can see our TikTok, at Activist269, the videos of the things that we have been up to as activists. You can always message us through our email, sentienceatm at gmail.com. You can also catch further videos on YouTube, Sentience ATM and we'll also be uploading past shows to that channel also. So on this week's show we'll be going into the life of a farmed goat. Yes everyone that likes goat's milk, goat's cheese, everyone knows what happens in the dairy industry but may not be aware that similar practices are happening to the poor little goats for the same reasons. We'll also have some more vegan news, courtesy of Plant-Based News and the Vegan Society. Both of those sites are an excellent place to get yourself educated on everything vegan and what's happening in the world of veganism. And talking of the world, if you're planning a holiday, we discuss the top vegan destinations around the world to visit. And as usual, we will have our animal rights hero slot where we discuss somebody that has gone out of their way for animal rights and we'll also be having our thought of the day. And just a quick reminder that on Saturday the 20th of May from 12 o'clock will be the Just Be Kind Spring Fairy Fate at the Retreat Animal Rescue Farm Sanctuary and Cafe. So save the date and we will see you there for a wonderful day spent with the animals. So we'll be back with our first piece after this.
Okay, welcome back. So let's get straight into our first piece. Goats. So goats, cheese and milk are becoming increasingly popular amongst consumers, with many mistakenly presuming that the welfare problems inherent in milking dairy cows don't apply to goats. The truth is a disturbingly similar picture of death, mutilation and disease that's seen in the dairy farming industry. Around 108,000 goats are farmed in the UK, producing over 16 million litres of goat's milk. The industry is predicted to continue to grow as consumers switch from cow's milk in their search for more ethical and healthier milks, encouraged by misleading marketing claims from the goat industry. Delamere is one of the most recognisable companies in the UK selling goat's milk, cheese, yoghurt and butter and who encourage and profit from misleading imagery about goat farming. Just like dairy cows, goats need to be made pregnant in order to produce milk. Impregnation usually happens around the age of 18 months through the use of a stud billy from a line of high milk producing animals. They have a five month pregnancy often producing twins or even triplets as a result of selective breeding. Some nanny goats are impregnated through artificial insemination rather than through natural mating. The process of AI is painful and traumatic for the goats who are forced to stand only on their front legs and restrained while the farmer inserts an AI gun into their vagina to deposit the sperm. This unnatural impregnation causes distress particularly when mishandling of the goat's organs leads to nerve damage and severe pain. Inexperienced or trainee farmers practicing on live animals inevitably leads to injuries. To produce a milk yield which satisfies the farmer, goats are kept in a perpetual cycle of impregnation, being separated from their kid shortly after birth and lactation, and in a similar way to dairy farming. Goats are well known for their mothering abilities, often fostering orphaned or rejected lambs, calves and even foals. Despite this, on most dairy farms, the maternal needs of both nannies and kids are almost immediately curtailed after birth. Mothers and kids are separated a few days after giving birth so that the mother's milk can be taken for human consumption. Goats remember the distinct call of their babies even after a year of separation suggesting the strong bonds are formed between mother and kid at an extremely early age. To be separated after a few hours or a few days is a painful process for both the kid and the mother. Unwanted billy goats who can't produce milk and are therefore seen as worthless to goat dairying are killed in a number of ways. The only legislation in Britain is that there should be no avoidable pain. Some kids are killed with firearms, such as rifles or even shotguns. A penetrative captive bolt fired into the head to produce a percussive blow is explicitly allowed. It is intended to make the kid lose consciousness with the first shot, but it may or may not work. And as with cows in the dairy industry, the captive bolt gun may have to be fired many times. The baby animal then has his throat cut it is estimated that 70 to 90,000 kids are killed on farms every year.
Male kids that are kept to be fattened for the meat trade will be castrated, typically, typically within one week of birth. The UK's Government Farm Animal Welfare Council describes castration for lambs as causing pain and distress and it urges it to be used as little as possible. Similar methods are used for goats, but because goat farming remains small and re relatively new to the UK, there is less research on the effect of kids and castration. But a similar mutilation would undoubtedly cause a similar level of pain as that inflicted on lambs. At the very least, the FAWC urges that pain relief is used, but this is not a legal requirement. Again, quite amazing that the legislation states there should be no avoidable pain, yet pain relieving drugs are not used because this would cause a cost to the farmer's profit. Seems to be quite a conflict of interest and a contradiction going on right there. It is most probable that kids are castrated whilst fully conscious, feeling everything that is done to them. This is exactly what Viva filmed on a leading UK goat farm expose. Considering as human beings, we wouldn't have a simple tooth removed without anaesthetic, one can only imagine the excruciating pain of being castrated with no anaesthetic. The kids are born with vestigial horn buds and in the dairy industry they are disbudded within the first seven days of birth. The British Veterinary Association acknowledges that disbudding can cause stress and acute pain and the possibility of chronic pain such that mutilation can cause changes in behaviour through the pain and distress caused. Again, Viva has filmed a shocking procedure of disbudding. Dehorning mature goats is a difficult and unpleasant procedure that is very traumatic for the goat and should only be carried out as a last resort. Female kids are typically removed from their mothers after one feed and subsequently fed milk replacer so that the mother's milk can be used solely for human consumption. Sometimes the kid and mother will not even have that interaction as many young are fed immediately by bottle to manage their colostrum intake. When the mother goat's milk yield starts to dry up, she will be made pregnant again and the whole process is repeated. After a number of cycles, when her milk yield starts to permanently drop, she will be slaughtered, her place being taken by a young female. Depending on whether the kid is a pedigree breed or not, the British Goat Society recommends impregnation between 6 and 18 months of age. Following birth, lactation in a non-pregnant goat can be maintained for up to two years, but as this protracted lactation results in lower milk yields, most commercial farms impregnate their nanny goats every year. Some farms assess a goat's milk yield after 200 days and if found to be exceptionally high, she will be bred again in the hope of passing on her high yielding characteristics to her female offspring. It is referred to as selective breeding and can lead to unnaturally large udders which can cause severe discomfort and pain to goats. 
Sarn and goats are the breed of choice in the UK commercial dairy farms due to their high milk yield and relatively placid nature. The average milk yield per year per goat is approximately 880 litres. But with farmers pushing for even greater yields, more and more goats are being forced to pump out upwards of 1100 litres and in some cases as high as 1800 litres. Goats are uniquely suited to thriving on tough mountain terrain, but in the UK, most farmed goats are kept for their entire lives in massive zero grazing or very limited grazing units. The majority of goat products come from indoor systems. Farmers argue that the breeds of goats they consider best for milking haven't evolved to a British climate and therefore must be kept indoors. For example, goat's feet have evolved for rocky, hard terrains rather than soft, wet ground found in the UK, which they claim risk infections. The fact that goats have not evolved for British muddy environments is touted as an excuse for intensive zero-grazing environments, which have no interest for these curious, playful animals. Zero-grazing is an abomination, depriving these highly intelligent creatures of all that is natural to them. Despite being generally hardy animals, when goats are ill, they rapidly lose the will to live. They are vulnerable to multiple notifiable diseases, including anthrax, blue tongue, goat pox, and foot and mouth disease. Foot and mouth disease can cause sudden severe lameness, increased abortions and lamb mortality rates, and produce sores and blisters covering the feet, mouth, and tongue. There is no treatment other than to kill every goat suspected of being infected. In the wild, goats would generally live between 15 and 18 years, but for those exploited for commercial interests, culling is normally carried out around six years of age. Generally, this is when their milk yield drops and they're no longer considered a profitable commodity. They're sent to market and sold for meat. Like most animals at slaughter, goats are purposely pre-stunned before being killed. The most common method is electrical stunning, where a slaughterer places electrodes on either side of the animal's head with a device like a large pair of tongs. Its effectiveness depends on where the electrodes are placed on the head, the current and how long they've, they're applied, and it can fail on all counts. The other method is a penetrative captive bolt that is shot into the skull of a goat to make it instantly unconscious. The animal is then shackled by a hind leg, hoisted up where the slaughter worker sticks it, meaning the goat's neck is sliced open and she bleeds to death. It sounds like a straightforward process, but human error and equipment failure severely compromise animal welfare with even a low percentage rate of error leading to thousands of goats suffering agony when they are killed. The stunning process does not guarantee that the goat will lose consciousness before being killed. Their skulls are hard to penetrate and human error means that the stunned person will not always fire the bolt into the head correctly. Goats may also regain consciousness while they are hung up and have their throat slit. One can only imagine the pain of bleeding to death dragged upwards by one leg. Approximately 20 million sheep, goats, cattle and poultry 
was slaughtered in England without being pre-stunned in 2018 to meet the religious demands of certain faiths. They are bled to death by having their throats slit while fully conscious. So there we have it, the life of a farmed goat. So if those procedures sound extreme to you and quite unbelievable, when you actually realize that all of that is carried out simply for some milk or cheese when there are several perfectly suitable replacement products already in the marketplace and more joining them every single week. Maybe it's time to ask yourself the question, do you really want to contribute to such a horror show for a simple taste sensation? Please remember, the point of this show is not to preach at you and to draw out your guilt in this subject. The point of this show is to educate you on the things that I myself were completely blissfully unaware of prior to being vegan. And ultimately, it is impossible to make an informed, educated decision on something when you aren't educated in the subject matter. Understanding what part you play in these practices is the first stage towards making the change and only you can decide if the ethics of that practice are enough for you to make the change immediately.
Okay, welcome back. So let's crack on with our vegan news and the following articles are taken from the wonderful plantbasednews.org. Okay, so our first item, vegan chocolate market to grow faster than dairy, experts predict. Health concerns and plant-based curiosities seem to be helping with sales. The dairy-free and vegan chocolate market is expected to see enormous growth in the next nine years outpacing conventional dairy alternatives. New data suggests that the plant-based chocolate sector, currently valued at $1 billion, will reach $4 billion by 2032. This equates to a 15.5% annual growth rate. Comparatively, the overall chocolate market, valued at $262.5 billion in 2022, is likely to grow just 3.7% annually. Dairy-free chocolate currently accounts for 40% of the entire vegan confectionery sector with the potential to secure even more. Consumers will drive this market increase with the biggest surge expected to be in the Asia-Pacific region. ProVeg notes that this is likely due to both widespread lactose intolerance and a boom in plant-based diet popularity locally. There is also considerable demand for vegan chocolate in Europe a survey conducted by consumer trends analyst Mintel found there is a serious interest in plant-based chocolate goods. More than half of French, 53%, Polish, 53%, and Spanish, 55% of respondents reported being open to vegan options. Meanwhile, Italy saw a 48% increase rate. Germany, a significant plant-based driver, registered 44% of chocolate fans as intrigued enough to try the products. Manufacturers have responded to the growth interest in plant-based diets by replacing dairy milk with nut or grain-derived milks in milk chocolate products. To keep up with the specifically plant-based chocolate makers, mainstream confectioners are developing their own vegan options. This has seen major brands such as Mars launching dairy-free versions of popular products including Galaxy Bars. Similarly, Nestle and Cadbury have also jumped on the trend. But of course, as we know, vegans change nothing. Moving on, vegan actor Kevin Hart donates £10,000 to two vegan businesses. Hart has now opened his mind and supported fellow vegan eateries in the US. Actor and plant-based restaurant chain owner Kevin Hart has awarded two vegan companies 10,000 each as part of a small business grant program. Black Leaf Vegan, a cafe in India, and Mama Roots, a vegan food truck in Minnesota, are the fortunate recipients. Grants were awarded to 50 companies overall, totaling half a million dollars in support. Funding came from Grand Caramino Tequila, which Hart co-founded, together with non-profit organization, Local Initiative Support Corporation. Just like Hart's, Hart House restaurants look to increase access to healthy food within the communities powered by plant-based ingredients. Located in the Canal District in Indianapolis, Blackleaf Vegan is a family-owned cafe that serves what they call life-sustaining plant-based food. It offers private catering as well as sit-in and dining and extends a welcome to all communities. It's important that our products are sourced from local farmers. 
This guarantees our food not only supports other small businesses, but we have confidence in the fact that we are placing food quality on your plate. Our food is predominantly made from scratch and is always made with love. Kevin Hart there, adding to the ever-extending list of vegan celebrities promoting the lifestyle. This week saw the extremely sad death of 18,000 dairy cows at an explosion at a dairy farm. Yes, the fire is thought to have been caused by a methane explosion. Around 18,000 cows have been killed and one person is critically injured at an explosion at a fire at a dairy farm in Texas. The incident occurred at the South Fork dairy farm in Dimmit. The cows were in a holding area waiting to be milked at the time. Local officials confirm that very few cows survived the blast and those who did may have sustained injuries, meaning they will need to be destroyed. A dairy farm worker was rescued by firefighters and taken to hospital and is said to be in a critical but stable condition. The cause hasn't yet been determined, but reports state that machinery overheated and triggered a methane explosion. Methane is a greenhouse gas that cows emit when they belch. A local resident nearby told News Channel 10 they heard a huge boom. It is thought to be the deadliest fire involving dairy cattle in US history. It dramatically surpasses the previous record when a fire on an upstate New York dairy farm killed 400 cows in 2020. The explosion emitted a huge plume of black smoke into the air with witnesses saying there was what looked like fog in the street. The screams of the thousands of sentient animals being burnt alive will stay with me forever. And closer to home now, Buckingham Palace sparks controversy as Camilla is set to hold an ivory scepter at the King's coronation. Yes, despite King Charles' previous campaigns against ivory, the item looks set to feature in the coronation next month. Queen Consort Camilla is set to hold an ivory scepter at King Charles' coronation next month, a move that sparked backlash from wildlife campaigners. The ceremony, which takes place in May, is set to feature a number of historic objects representing the duties of the monarch and his wife. The ivory rod with dove, as it is known, is part of the crown jewels. It was first made for Mary of Medina when she was crowned alongside her husband, James II in 1685. It's been used by every queen consort at coronations since then. It features a dove on its end and a long rod made up of cream-coloured ivory. Speaking about the palace's decision, Born Free's policy support officer Frankie Osuch told Plant Based News, although it is considered historical ivory, the decision not to showcase this scepter as part of the global event of this nature would have sent a strong message that ivory has no place in today's society, echoing the campaigns of Prince William against the ivory trade. When it comes to animal welfare and conservation issues, tradition should never be an excuse. King Charles has been vocal in his disdain for ivory. Reports over the years suggest he had demanded all items made from it be removed from his site in Clarence House and Highgrove. 
It has also been claimed that his son Prince William requested that all ivory products owned by Buckingham Palace be destroyed. William, along with the Royal Foundation, has campaigned against the trafficking of such animal parts for nearly 10 years through their co-founded organisation United for Wildlife. It was initially reported that Camilla may choose to reject the rod, but a palace spokesman has confirmed that it will be used. Just in case you aren't aware, ivory is generally taken from the tusks of poached wild elephants and sometimes rhinos. Poachers will hunt the animals for this purpose and around 20,000 elephants are killed every single year for their tusks. Elephant populations have decreased significantly over the last century and ivory poaching is considered their greatest threat. The African forest elephant is listed as critically endangered, while the African savannah elephant is endangered. The Ivory Act 2018 bans people in Britain from dealing in ivory taken from the tusk or tooth of an elephant. There are a few exemptions, including certain historical items, or obviously, unless you're part of the royal family and you wish to carry on using these items for a traditional purpose. Royalist or not, it's plain to see that Camilla taking such an unethical stance in this situation during such an important ceremony sends completely the wrong message to the poaching industry. And it is this elitist attitude that we need to eradicate from our society. So thank you to plantbasednews.org for those news slots. And when we come back, I'll have your animal rights hero for you. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down, when you're strange. Faces come out of the rain when you're strange. No one remembers your name when you're strange. When you're strange, when you're strange People are strange, when you're a stranger Faces look ugly, when you're alone Women seem wicked, when you're unwanted Streets are uneven, when you're down Your name 
Fantastic. Moving on to our animal rights hero. And this week, it is the wonderful Melanie Joy. So unless you've been living under a rock, if you're a vegan, you know exactly who Melanie Joy is. For those of you that don't, Melanie Joy, PhD, is a Harvard-educated psychologist specializing in relationships, communication, and social transformation. She is the award-winning author of six books, including the best-selling Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs, and Wear Cows. And Melanie Joy is a animal rights speaker. Joy is best known for her groundbreaking theories on the psychology of violence and non-violence and building healthy relationships. Her analyses have helped explain why people engage in non-relational behaviours, behaviours that harm other people, animals, the planet and themselves, as well as how to change this pattern. Her work has been featured by major media outlets around the world, including the New York Times, BBC, NPR and ABC Australia. She is the eighth recipient of the Ahimsa Award, previously given to the Dalai Lama and Nelson Mandela for her work on global non-violence. And she also received both the Peter Singer Prize and the Empty Cages Prize for her work developing strategies to reduce the suffering of animals. Her mission is to help create a more relational world, in large part through raising awareness of the obstacles preventing people from interacting in ways that create a sense of mutual connection. These obstacles are both internal and external, and they are a key reason why we act against our own interests and the interests of others, often without realizing that we're doing so. With awareness, we are better able to think freely and act compassionately to create healthier and more fulfilling relationships and a more equitable and sustainable world. Melanie Joy is the founding president of the international organization Beyond Carnism. Originally from Boston, Massachusetts, Joy now resides in Berlin, Germany, and her practices have long helped people understand the psychology behind veganism which in turn has shifted the way we advocate for animal rights on the global stage. So for that reason, this week's animal rights hero is the wonderful Melanie Joy. And whilst we're on the subject of global activism, just a quick reminder that the 13th National Animal Rights Day will be taking place on Sunday, the 4th of June. Brighton's event will be held at the level from 10.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. with multiple vegan traders, lots of delicious vegan food for you to try out, mindfulness and yoga area, Thai massage, and a child's play area. There will also be multiple speakers from the world of veganism, and of course, the ceremony to remember all the animals lost in the past year. It's free entry, so save the date, Sunday the 4th of June. Now as the weather warms up and the sun starts coming out, we start to move into the holiday season. And as a vegan, this can be an area of difficulty, finding exactly where is vegan friendly. But don't worry, the lovely folk at the Vegan Society have put together a list of their top eight places to visit for veganism. 
So without further ado, let's get started. So number eight on the list is Lisbon, Portugal. Lisbon is a beautiful city with a growing vegan food scene. The city has several vegan friendly restaurants and cafes and visitors can enjoy traditional Portuguese dishes made with vegan ingredients. Lisbon is also home to the annual Lisbon Vegan Festival, which features food vendors, workshops and live music. Lisbon has many historical and cultural attractions such as the Belém Tower, the Geronimo's Monastery and Lisbon Cathedral. Visitors can also take a stroll through the historic Alfama neighborhood, which is known for its winding streets and stunning views. Coming in at number seven, Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne is one of Australia's most vegan-friendly cities with over a hundred vegan-friendly restaurants and cafes. The city hosts several vegan festivals and events throughout the year, such as the World Vegan Day Festival and the Vegan Market of Melbourne. Melbourne is known for its street art, music and culture. Visitors can explore the city's lanes and alleyways to discover unique street art and murals. Melbourne is also home to several museums such as the National Gallery of Victoria and the Melbourne Museum. Coming in at number six, New York City, USA. New York City is a diverse city with a wide range of vegan eateries. Visitors can find vegan food trucks, cafes and restaurants throughout the city, making it easy to find vegan cuisine. New York City is also home to the annual Vegandale Festival, which features food vendors, live music and entertainment. New York City has many iconic attractions, such as the Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building and of course Central Park. Visitors can also explore the city's art scene, including the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Museum of Modern Art. Taking the number five slot, Edinburgh, Scotland. Edinburgh may not be the first place that comes to mind when considering vegan-friendly destinations, but the city has plenty to offer. Several vegan-friendly restaurants and cafes can be found throughout the city, and the annual Edinburgh Vegan Festival is a must-visit event. The festival features food vendors, workshops, and live music. Edinburgh is known for its rich history and architecture, including Edinburgh Castle, the Royal Mile, and the Palace of Holyrood House. Visitors can also explore the city's art scene, including the National Museum of Scotland and the Scottish National Gallery. Dropping in at number four on the Vegan Society list is Bali, Indonesia. Bali is an island paradise that boasts stunning beaches and lush landscapes, along with several vegan cafes and restaurants. Visitors can indulge in vegan cuisine made with local ingredients such as tempeh, jackfruit and coconut. Bali is also home to several vegan resorts and retreats that offer yoga, meditation and spa treatments. Bali has many cultural attractions, including the Ubud Monkey Forest, the Tagalalang Rice Terraces and the Goa Gaja Temple. Not easy to say. <laughs> Visitors can also take part in traditional Balinese ceremonies such as the Balinese Purification Ceremony or a Kechak dance performance. 
just ensure you have good linguistic skills before you visit. <laughs> Unlike me. Taking the number three slot, Tel Aviv, Israel. Tel Aviv's a cosmopolitan city that offers a broad range of vegan options, including street food and high-end dining. The city has over 400 vegan-friendly restaurants to choose from, making it one of the most vegan-friendly cities in the world. Tel Aviv also hosts an annual vegan fest that attracts vegans from all over the world. Tel Aviv is known for its beautiful beaches and vibrant nightlife. Visitors can also explore the city's historical landmarks such as the ancient port of Jaffa and the Tel Aviv Museum of Art. At number two, Chiang Mai, Thailand. Chiang Mai is a popular destination with a thriving vegan food scene, offering numerous vegan-friendly restaurants and cafes. Visitors can enjoy traditional Thai dishes made with vegan ingredients at local restaurants and cooking schools in the area provide an opportunity to learn how to prepare these dishes themselves. The city is also home to a popular night market where visitors can find vegan street food and local crafts. Chiang Mai is surrounded by beautiful natural landscapes including the Doi in Thanon National Park, the highest mountain in Thailand. Visitors can hike, bike or take a guided tour of the park and its waterfalls, pagodas and hill tribe villages. Join us after the break for the Vegan Society's top city to visit if you're vegan. Welcome back, and as promised, topping 
the Vegan Society's list of most vegan-friendly cities to visit is Berlin, Germany. Berlin is truly one of Europe's most accommodating cities for vegan travelers. The city has more than 60 restaurants serving vegan dishes and visitors can find vegan supermarkets and even a hotel that caters specifically for vegans. Berlin's vegan scene is so popular that it hosts Vegan's Summerfest Berlin. The festival features live music, food vendors and informative talks about veganism. Berlin has a rich history and a culture that make it an excellent destination for travelers interested in art, architecture and history. Visitors can explore the Berlin Wall, Brandenburg Gate and the Reichstag building amongst other historical landmarks. So there you have it. Looking for a trip this year? Why not pick one of these amazing destinations? That just goes to show how widespread veganism is on the global stage. And moving on now into this week's thought of the day. If you've ever been unlucky enough to be the target of any online hate, you will know all too well how devastating this can be, especially when directed from those who are supposed to be coming from a place of kindness. It's very easy to take the knee-jerk reaction to these situations and retaliate with a similar tactic. However, when we stop for a second and analyze why this is happening, we truly understand. We understand that in reality, these people are hurting. Something in their lives is going wrong and they are simply looking at you as a target to lash out as a pressure relief. Hating on you is their therapy and that's okay. They need to vent and it's our place to let them do that. The people that are real to you in your life will see these messages for what they are. They will also see your response for what it is. People sometimes need to go through the motions and nothing you say during that phase will change their minds. We can never control what someone else wants to do, but we have full control over how we respond. And sometimes the best response is no response at all. It may sound easier said than done, but when your interactions come from a place of positivity and kindness, it overwhelmingly benefits you because you don't let the darkness into your life. Be thankful you're not the one in their position and allow them the time to heal. And on that broccoli bombshell, we've run out of time again. Just a quick thank you to all this week's contributors as usual. Thank you again for being open-minded and I hope I've made a positive difference to your day. This one is just for you.